All right, first up on what's trending, a little update from the media portion of Chiefs practice. Multiple reports that for the second straight day, no McCole Hardman at Chiefs practice. Uh, one guy who did miss practice yesterday, Prince Tega Wanuga. He is back. And Andy Reid will speak to the media coming up one hour from now. We will carry that for you live here on 610 Sports Radio. Expecting we will get some sort of answer or perhaps non-answer on McCole Hardman's status for Sunday. But this is a little surprising because it sounded earlier in the week when Andy talked. Barring any setbacks, McCole Hardman was expected to be Ready to go on Sunday. I guess this is officially entering setback territory, which uh, could be a little concerning as there are only two weeks left in the regular season. Gun to your head right now. McCole Hardman. Will we see him this week or next week? Will we see uh, him again a, before the postseason? It's an aggressive hy- hypothetical. Okay, um, then fine. Knife to your belly. That's it's still aggressive. Okay. It's a well, deadly weapon put up on my person here. Well, okay, I need you to make a decision. That's generally how you get people to do stuff. Uh, you can just ask me the question. I don't need a gun to my head. Um, I don't think McCall's going to play. The, I don't think he's going to play the rest of the regular. Score gun's still violent. Um, I, I don't think he's going to play the rest of the regular season. I don't think he should. If he's having a setback like this, presumably, we obviously don't know, but if he is seemingly having a setback, we don't. The Chiefs don't need him to play this weekend or next weekend. They're they're the bottom two teams in the uh, in the uh, division. Two of the worst teams in the in the league. You don't need these guys. You don't need him against these two teams. You can go out there and you can play the C offense and just go out there and let your defense go out and carry you because they're starting to make some strides here. So no, I don't think he plays. I don't think he should play. Let him rest his core injury and let him come back ready to go in the playoffs. See what happened? Gun to your head. You gave me an answer. I, I didn't need a. I didn't need to be threatened like that. You well, could have just said it in a normal way, and I'd well, have been fine. I got the answer I was looking for. So let's not argue with uh, the strategy. Let's just acknowledge that it's a results-oriented business. Next up on what's trending, got a big slate of college football games tomorrow, starting off at 11 a.m. K State taking on Alabama in the Sugar Bowl at 11 o'clock. Then you've got the college football playoff semifinals starting tomorrow night. First up, it'll be Michigan TCU at 3 o'clock in the 2-3 matchup. Then you've got Georgia-Ohio State at 7 in the 1-4 matchup. I gave you three great games, Chris. Which one are you most looking forward to? K-State, Alabama. I think that's my I answer. Am. I am because I, I don't think the I don't think that the two semifinal matchups for the playoff are going to be super competitive. I think Michigan I don't is going to take care of TCU, and I think I think I think Georgia's not going to have too much trouble getting rid of Ohio State. Um, my, so, yeah, yeah, because my answer is K-State, Alabama, not because I think it's going to be the best game, but I'm just most intrigued to see how K-State can go up because they haven't played anybody like Alabama. No, yeah, right? this is a different monster So, right like, here. that's why I'm just – I'm curious to see. I, it wouldn't shock me if, if Bama just works them over, but I just want to see. I want to see how this team can go up against them. The potential of K-State upsetting Alabama yeah. – is something that I think we should all be intrigued about. Because I, I, I've i said this before. I said this a couple nights ago. I love when the local teams, except for Mizzou, are good at football because it brings me back to my days back in the in the 90s growing up and watching these teams. So I think it's good for the city if those teams are good. 
So yeah. to me, like it would be really interesting to see Kansas State go out and get a win against Alabama because that's a, a incredibly talented program, and it would be like like you've described it, the biggest win in school history, probably most likely. Yeah, we'll talk more about that game coming up here later on this hour. Up next on what's trending, also got some local college basketball action tomorrow. One o'clock in Lawrence conference opener. KU hosting Oklahoma State. That game, I would imagine, will be probably about a nine-point line. KU is unbelievable in conference openers. Uh, I I saw this stat earlier today. They've won 31 straight conference openers dating back to the 1991-1992 season. 12 of those at home and 19 on the road. Yeah, the last time they lost an opener was January 8th, 1991. That is courtesy of... uh, Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star. Also, Kansas State. This game might actually be an even better matchup. That game's tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. They're hosting West Virginia. That game's probably going to be about a pick I would imagine. So when you're in the position that Kansas State's in, any Big 12 win is a good Big 12 win. We know how this works. The they kind of eat their young in the Big 12. There is a lot of inner carnage. Everybody beats up on each other. You're very violent. Today. I'm not violent. That's very just gruesome. Well, no, that's just like, you know, that that's just gruesome. like the nature channel type stuff, yeah, man. That was right? very gruesome. Hey, right, listen, a lot of tri- a lot a lot of different tribes across, you know, the course of mankind and, and a lot of different animal groups that eat their young, okay? <laughs> so like guns? that's just life. We're putting guns to people's heads and now we're eating young. The hey, young? Listen, what? come on, man. It's it happens, okay? There's some dark cliches you're using here that's nature man nature versus nurture nature always wins and lastly on what's trending the eagles still trying to sort out their quarterback situation between jalen hurts and gardner Minshew. head coach nick sirianni did not commit to a starting quarterback for sunday's game against the saints the that leaves it open whether or not it could be Jalen Hurts or Gardner Minshew that get the nod. He said, quote, we're still working through that. Obviously, Jalen had a good practice and looked like he did some things really well. Still haven't decided anything yet. We've got a couple of days. This is kind of massive because the Cowboys get the win last night. There is still a chance the Cowboys could end up winning that division. So this is huge. The health of Jalen Hurts is huge. Now, Gardner Minshew might be about as good of a backup quarterback as there is in the NFL, but when you're playing for playoff seating, home field advantage, all of that stuff, you need to have your guy, the MVP candidate and Jalen Hurts back out there. And it sounds like there's still a chance he could be available to go. All right, that's it for what's trending. I am Nick Schwartz. He is Chris Unocero. You are listening to Cody and Gold on 610 Sports Radio. Coming up at 1 o'clock, we'll hear from Andy Reid. Also in the 1 o'clock hour, Rob Collins of Fox 4 Kansas City will be joining us in studio. Always a fun time when Rob stops by. We'll see if Rob... Rob seems like the type of guy... I don't know if he makes New Year's resolutions, but if he did, like, I would I would be shocked if he didn't follow through on them. But it's tough to make New Year's resolutions when, like... Rob just lives the the right life. He's fifty years old. He's shredded. I mean, the guy is on. You've you've heard of the RC fifty plan, right? No, I, I haven't heard of this. We'll have to have him explain it to you. Well, we made it up basically. But okay, then I ha- that's why I haven't heard of it. Yeah, I, right. didn't, I haven't heard we your, think, we think your he should, made up plan. Well, we okay. Well, he his our, the the plan is just his life, his lifestyle. Like he is just. I think he's just the ultimate man. 
50 years old. You always juice up the people that come onto your show, like like Pete Sweeney. Shouldn't I? You juice up Dusty. You really you really got to think for the people that you regularly bring on your show. But I appreciate I that. I should do that, right? I'm, I'm about lifting people up. You know, I appreciate that. This show has gotten a reputation over the past four or five months is when it really started, but everybody started calling it doom and gloom instead of Cody and Gold. Everybody's, you know, tearing people down. I'm about lifting people up, especially this time of the year. It's the holiday season. The year's almost over. Everybody's trying to get the, the, the new year started on the right foot. And I'm trying to start that trend a little bit early. We don't even need to wait to the new year to do that. So talked about McCall Hardman there. No McCall again today at practice. We'll hear what Andy Reid has to say about it at one o'clock. I'm starting to believe he's not going to play this Sunday, but it's not just about this Sunday. It's about the fact that it felt like they were, he was going to be able to play all week. And then all of a sudden, two straight days of not being able to practice. We don't even know what the injury is for McColl. That when he initially went out, hasn't played since week nine. They described it as an abdomen issue, which could mean a variety. Like, is that appendicitis? Is that a strained oblique? I, I, I don't know. Did he tear a muscle? Been out for a while now, and as they try to work him back, it seems like now maybe encountering a bit of a setback, which if that is the case, then you start to wonder not just about his status for Sunday, but his status for the season finale against the Raiders. Now, you don't need him for either of those games. You've done, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but done okay in his stead. They've lost one game since October 16th, and that was a three-point loss to the Bengals. So the offense has been humming along just a little, just, just fine. But I do think for the postseason, you need, you need to have Nicole Hardman. Not to win every game. You don't need him to win the first game. But just look at the potential way that this, this playoff bracket could, could shake out. Let's say that the, the, Buff, the Bills take a care of business on Monday night. They get the one seed. You might have to play you know, an opening round matchup against the Chargers or potentially, you know, the Dolphins, right? You could probably beat one of those teams without McColl. Then you get into the second round, and I, I, I'm always so confused with the way the playoff seating works out, but, like, the idea that you could have to play the Ravens or the Jaguars, and then you have to play, you know, the Bengals or the Bills in the conference championship game. It gets increasingly difficult as you go along, and at some point, you're going to need to be at full strength. Now, thankfully, the Chiefs are closer to full strength than just about any of the other contenders in the AFC, both sides of the ball, right? Like, you just heard the injury report. It's basically just one guy, and he's not even on the active roster, so I don't even know if you count him as being somebody missing practice. They certainly don't. They don't have to put him on the injury report because he's still on the IR. But I do think McColl is going to be important if the Chiefs want to win a Super Bowl because there's going to need to be at least one game, and this happens every single team that's ever had to win a playoff game or ever had to win a Super Bowl. There's going to be one game where you just need to be firing on all cylinders, where you're going to have to be close to perfect. And with the way the Chiefs play and what they have been so good at, better than any other team in the NFL, certainly better than any other team in the AFC, is they have more ways to beat you. They have more pitches. I mean, last week we saw, and they needed that. The Chiefs needed to win the way they did last week against the Seahawks, showing you, hey, we're not always going to score 35 points, 
because there occasionally are going to be games where our defense can show up and really make life difficult on you guys. Because at this point, you can't argue the fact that this has been one of the best pass rushing units in the NFL. All right. There's another pitch in your arsenal. There's another way you can win a game. We have seen this late season surge of this really nice chemistry in the backfield between Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. They have shown you that that can be an asset. They can beat you that way. They don't always have to go through Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster. There have been games where it's been MVS. There have been games where it's been Justin Watson or McCole Hardman, which is why you need to have all of those guys at their disposal. You don't ever use all of them in one game, but across the span of three or four games, going to have to show multiple pitches. You're going to have to show multiple play- ways to win, and I think McColl, win healthy, is still probably your third or fourth best option in this passing attack, and with the versatility that he, he has, being able to utilize him out of the backfield, you need this guy healthy if you want to go on a deep playoff run. I don't think you need him because I, I like the Chiefs have kind of reestablished their identity this year as more of a matriculate the ball down the field type offense as opposed to the offense that's just trying to swing for the fences every time they, they get the ball. So I don't I don't think that's really like a necessity for them because they they've I mean, they've done fine offensively without him. You just you if you have the ability to get him back for the playoffs, you want him back because he is that home run hitter for you. He is that guy that anytime he touches the football, if he makes one guy miss, he's, he he can be gone, and that's what you want because that's that is like he's like the last bastion of your old identity as an offense, which is to get the ball in the hands of playmakers and just let them go. And whether that be down the you know throwing the ball down the field or you know short pass, they they take it, and and that's what you want on your offense. You want that, but it isn't a necessity for them. Their biggest issue in these biggest games, like against the Bengals and against the bills has really been mistakes on their own end turnovers. And McColl is a very mistake prone player. So even if he, he was on the field, he could very well contribute to those mistakes too. So I don't think he's a, a necessity for this offense. I think though, that if you, want to be at your strongest, you do want to have him out there, but there's no guarantee he's going to deliver because we know he's, he's a bit of a, he's, he's a bit inconsistent when it comes to production. He'll have those games where he just, he drops it. You know, we've seen him do it all over the years, third down, third and five out route. He drops it. So, or he'll have his occasional fumble that, you know, we, we always curse about. I, I don't, feel like he he is someone that we that, that the Chiefs need. But if he is out there and you're able to utilize him properly and he's not, you know, he's playing sound football with the few reps that he is getting with the ball, I think that makes you a lot more dangerous just because all it takes is one play and next thing you know, that could change the tide of a game. Yeah, and I, that's what I think we've seen this, you know, late season surge from Jarek McKinnon is because with the absence of McColl and Kadarius Tony's been injured as well, and even when healthy, like Tony's not that guy yet where you can just throw him out there for sixty five percent of snaps and expect that he's going to know the playbook. He just doesn't, man. I think they're kind of bringing him along like a rookie. Like we don't expect you to know everything. There will be packages where we can use you, but we don't expect you to know everything. McColl knows everything. Like at this point, he's been here for four years. Outside of Travis Kelsey, uh, there's nobody in the passing attack who has a better understanding of this offense than he does. 
maybe, but like, I mean, Juju's starting to get it really quickly. Like you see Juju out there and he's kind of, he's starting to play the same way that, that Kelsey's playing. Where like if if they're facing like a zone front on the defense, yeah, he'll just stop in between the 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 he'll stop in the dead zones between the the zones, and he'll just like hey I'm right here catch it and you know I'll I'll try to turn it into extra yards. He scored a couple touchdowns that way this year, so I kind of feel like Juju's kind of he might have passed McColl as far as his familiarity with the offense, which seems a little weird considering he's been in it for less than a year. But I, I feel like the Chiefs have wanted McColl to kind of take on that same approach as a receiver that we saw with Tyreek, where he was doing the same stuff that Kelsey does, and he hasn't it hasn't quite worked for him yet. So I think Juju has passed him up in that regard, but like MVS hasn't, and none of the other receivers have. Justin Watson seems to have some chemistry with Mahomes down the field, yeah. but like in, in terms of like short yardage short yardage situations, he still isn't quite there as far as reliability goes. So like there is not a whole lot of obstacles for McColl to become like the third best option for him other than his own ability to run routes and understand what Mahomes wants him to do. You know, what's wild about McColl and for a guy who's only played in nine games this year, this, he, this is actually kind of insane. McColl Hardman has played in nine games this year. He is tied for fourth in the NFL in touchdowns inside the 10-yard line, receiving touchdowns inside the 10-yard guy. Here are the guys who have more touchdowns inside the 10 than him. Travis Kelsey, Christian Kirk, Justin Jefferson, and then McColl, along with Jarek McKinnon, oddly enough, are tied for fourth in the NFL. It's a very specific skill set. Yeah. Like, if you just want to look at the numbers, you would be able to decipher how the Chiefs want to use him, which is when we get down near the goal line, Right, where they've never really been a team that's just going to turn around and hand it off, even though I think Pacheco's given them more of an opportunity to do that than he has in other years, or than they've had in other years. Because of how shifty he is, because of all the misdirection, the pre-snap motion that they use, he's valuable in that regard. He's wildly valuable in that regard, and I think that they're going to be wise to continue to nurse him along knowing that you're going to need a guy like that if you want to win four games in the postseason. All right, well, you know, tomorrow's slate of college football games is fantastic. You've got both of the college football playoff semifinals, but the first game of the day, 11 o'clock, you got K-State taking on Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. I think if K-State wins this game, it will be the biggest win in program history. Currently, that win would be 1997 Fiesta Bowl. They take down Syracuse, and that was a beatdown, but it was Syracuse, right? This game is against Alabama. Nick Saban, seven titles. This program has won six of the last 13 national championships, and now you get to play them to close out what has been a good season. You want to make it the best season? Beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Now, you look at the win-loss, though, you say, well, this team lost three games. Like, some of those other teams, they went 11-1, and 12-1. You know, and one. It's different when you're playing Alabama, man. It's all about the opponent to me. 
If you win tomorrow, it will be the best season in program history because of who the opponent is and because of the stage. Sugar Bowl is no joke. Everybody's going to be watching. And you're going up against Al. I mean, Alabama, this team has maybe two of the top three picks in next year's draft on the roster in Bryce Young, who might be number one overall, and then Will Anderson, who, if it shaked out a different, shook out a different way, he could be number one overall. But, like, this is a legit edge rusher, star-type prospect. If you beat this team, a team that has been the program, an unstoppable force in college football for over the past decade, I think that pushes it to the greatest season in program history just because of winning that game, winning a BCS Bowl against that opponent. I, I don't know how it gets much better than that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that um, it would be a massive win for Kleiman just because he is really kind of at a position where he has to establish that he can go out and beat the top teams out there in college football, regardless of conference. And this is the opportunity. I mean, big win against TCU in the big 12 championship game. And, and that definitely helped their program out. But like if, if Kansas state and any of these other teams in the big 12, any team that's not a, a blue blood organization and one of these programs, if they want to be able to compete for national championships, these are the kind of games you go out there and win. Well, that's like, go back to the KU Arkansas game when Arkansas was putting it on them early and you saw the way that they were doing it, where defenders were just bouncing off Arkansas players like KJ Jefferson. There was that one play where they had him almost sacked seven yards behind the line of scrimmage. And then he rips it off for a 35 yard run. It's like, they're bigger than you. They're bigger. They're stronger. Now, you know, the difference like KU's had a great season, but it's been more about culture and fight and determination than it has been. Our guys are just better. Yeah, than your there's, guys. there's a big talent disparity there and between for, KU and others. and for program like programs like KU and K state. And I'm not saying that these are the same type of programs, but you're going up against SEC teams. You're going to notice on Saturday that the players in crimson are going to look a little different than the guys wearing silver and purple. I think that's just, it's the reality of the types of players that you can recruit. Now, K-State, I think, is better suited to overcome it, but it's also Alabama that we're talking about that very easily could have been in the college football playoff. Yeah. I, I they finished fourth in scoring and ninth in scoring right, defense. I know, it's crazy, and they're not in. I, I just think that, and I've said this for a while about climbing, like if Kansas State is going to take the next step forward, especially now that Texas and, and OU are going to be leaving, there's a void there at the top of the conference. And, and TCU looks like they could be one of the power teams there, but like Baylor hasn't been consistently in this position. So someone else is going to have to step up and, and try to be one of the powers of this new Big 12. Well, why not Kansas State? This is a great opportunity for them. And it's a it's a big opportunity for climbing because like recruiting is so important today. Not just recruiting high school players, but also recruiting transfers as well. Because so many teams now are courting transfers from other schools. Mm-hmm. This is a great opportunity for climbing to go out there and show that he is a coach capable of of uh, maximizing the talents of players. And there's a lot of kids in the SEC that want an opportunity to go play because those teams in the SEC over-recruit their areas. They'll get like two and three quarterbacks in a draft class, in a a recruiting class, and obviously one quarterback spot on on the team, so some of those guys aren't going to get to play. This is a great chance for him to go out there and showcase that he can help guys get to the next level, and that's going to help his recruiting 
And that's the reason why this is huge because then what you can start recruiting in the South, you can showcase because all those kids down South are going to be watching this game. So you have the opportunity to showcase that you can help them get to the league too, which is going to help you out as far as recruiting goes this spring. Wins like this in college football, they, the benefits from them last far beyond a year or two. It's it's huge. And so many coaches, I, I don't know how many times I've seen coaches get to this point. And then they have that big defining win, and all of a sudden, things just start turning around. I remember when Urban Meyer was uh, the coach at Florida, and I just remember, like, all of a sudden, there was just this clicking moment, and next thing you know, Florida was just, like, top 10, top 5 in recruiting, and they just put together these amazing recruiting classes and won two national championships. I should know, played in, they won, uh, yeah, they won two national championships, um, and and the second one was with the talent that they recruited, yep. I believe, in 05. And it was just – it was amazing to watch because they just started getting all of these really great names on offense, on defense, because the first year wasn't that great, but they showed that they can handle coaching in a tough conference against tough talent. So this is a great opportunity for Kansas State to stake their claim as one of the new powerhouses in the new Big 12 once Texas and OU are out of it. That's I, I think it's it's a great point, and I, that's why I think this is one of the biggest games. Jay said earlier, I think it was the 1998 when K State had a chance to go to the national championship game, and they lost to Texas A&M instead. But then I think the bowl game they played in it was against Purdue, and they got waxed in that game. So I don't know it's because of because of the opponent. This game just feels bigger. I know it's probably not that big of a game for Alabama. That's kind of the point. Alabama plays in big games all year, every year, which is why they are who they are, which is uh, the most unstoppable force in college football over the past, I mean, maybe in my lifetime, quite frankly. Uh, Coming up next, there is one player on the Chiefs who has been an anomaly this year, and I think we should be giving him more credit. I'll tell you who it is on the other side. I'm Nick Schwartz. Chris Onocero. It's Cody and Gold, 610 Sports Radio. Cody and Gold brought to you by Gan Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, Gan Asphalt and Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Don't miss the Chiefs Red Half Hour every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner of the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. I literally listened to like two seconds of it before I put it in the wall. All right, I don't mind. I was like, eh, it sounds like something that'd be on the radio. I don't mind. I don't mind. He is Chris Unocero. I'm Nick Schwartz. This is Cody and Gold on 610 Sports Radio. So coming up here in about half an hour, uh, we will hear from Andy Reid. We will also be joined in studio for the 1 o'clock hour by Rob Collins, Fox 4 Kansas City. I saw this uh, this tweet come up and then this article by Team Rankings talking about interim head coaches in their first game. And dating back from 2010 to this year, right? This, this article came out when uh, right when Matt Rule got fired. Oh, I forgot he got fired too, yeah. How'd you forget that? Oh, because the Nathaniel Hackett thing has been just completely overtaken. I forgot Matt Rule was a person. Right. So uh, Jerry Rosberg will be the interim head coach for the Broncos this Sunday when they play the Chiefs. His first game as interim head coach. And in this article by Team Rankings, they crunch the numbers of the first game with an interim head coach since 2010. 
And since 2010, in 23 games, it's happened 23 times, the team with the interim head coach has went 14-9 and straight up despite being an underdog in 16 of those 23 games. So, Chris, the Chiefs are 13.5-point favorites on Sunday. Does this mean that they are guaranteed to lose? Uh, no, because <laughs> nine, nine of those, it's probably going to be 10 on Sunday. It'll be 10 of those losses. Like it, here's the thing. It'd be different if the chiefs were a team that like was like the Vikings where it's like the Vikings are a team. That's not really a championship contender. Yeah. They're just a team that has a really good record. Cause things have kind of broke their way in some games and, and they haven't really had like a super difficult schedule. But like nobody's looking at this team and like like looking at it like oh that's a championship contending team like even Vikings fans know that that team is probably not winning the Super Bowl but we know there's no way in hell Patrick Mahomes is going to lose to a team like the like the Broncos it might be close like I I certainly would not be surprised I don't think you would either because we saw it happen last time too if the Broncos covered the spread that wouldn't be shocking like we all know that it, there's a there's a chance that that could happen that way. So, I mean, I would say that, yeah, the Broncos are probably, they might make it interesting, especially because they they finally got rid of the coach. I, I think there might be, because we've kind of heard some stuff. There could be a, a situation where those guys were like, okay, we're, we're tied in Daniel Hackett. Let's get somebody else in here. Though the guy they replaced him with is his game management coach. So who, by the way, they hired in September. This isn't a guy they, they he brought along with them. This isn't a guy that's been there all off season. They got into the first month of the year and immediately realized like, oh, this guy needs help. Yeah. <laughs> no, he had to hire someone to do part of his job for him because he wasn't good enough to do that. Special assistant, I believe, was the official title. Yeah, but he's he's our senior assistant. Yeah, senior assistant. Uh, you just making up job titles so you can Dude, you can pay a guy uh, to do his job. By the way, yeah, NFL teams make up job titles all the oh, time. Oh yeah, the Chiefs did it with uh, with um, Brad Childress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it passing game coordinator? Is what they called him? Like they, no, sp- no, spread game analyst. That, that was, was the position. It was spread his, game his and- passing game coordinator is real. Like that's a thing. Yeah, that's a thing. Like some teams, do, but it's still kind of a made up title. But yeah, Brad Childress was was spread game analyst, and it was literally a made-up title. No one had ever heard of it before. And by the way, most companies don't do this. It's only in the NFL where it's like, hey, uh, we're just going to make up a title, and this guy's going to be paid like, quite handsomely, even though uh, mo- no other team has it. But we like him, so we think he can help. But I believe he was on the Super Bowl. Was he on the Super Bowl team? Which wait, Brad wait. Childress, was he... Was he was this? No, he was gone before then. Because uh, he was, was he, they the brought, I think they brought him in in 2014. And like, no, it was like 2014 and 2015. And then at one point it was him. And I think it was him and Nagy that were like co-offensive coordinators. But he was gone by the time that Nagy was like yeah, the was, full offensive he was coordinator. There from, he was there from 2013 to 2017. Yeah, he was. Yeah, once, once Nagy like was like. Dude, he was the assistant head coach in 2017. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we already Childress's been around for a minute. He was the head coach for the Vikings years also, ago. Can we just address something? Uh, 
Has anyone ever seen Brad Childress and the BTK killer in the same room? God, he does look like BTK. Oh, no, that's not a good. <laughs> He's got to wear a toupee or something because he does kind of look. I feel or, bad. Or Chil- Chili seems like a good shave the mustache, you know? That would be an easy one as no, well. No, no. I Not everybody looks good without facial hair. I don't think I look good without facial hair. You should hair. grow out a beard then. Yeah, he should probably grow. Just go with the mustache. He probably, but he still kind of looks like him. He just need to get like a toupee or something. Well, we know who the BTK killer is going to be rooting for tomorrow in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, notable, notable <laughs> Kansas State. Kansas State, his, his daughter went there. That's how he got caught. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Didn't think we'd be talking BTK. Yeah, you're today. the one. That, see, you, you never again, know. this is the third time now you have brought up morbid subjects well, on the air. The worst I did was bring up a dude eating mayo out of off uh, a wooden actually, spoon. We, got, we had a question for you that came in from the text line. I forgot to get to it. From the uh, By the way, if you want to join the show on the Jay Southland Toe Service text line, 913-586-7610. Uh, Chris did not appreciate when I gave him the gun to your head scenario, but yeah, somebody else had a different one. Somebody else had or a knife to your belly. Somebody else, somebody else had one for you. Uh, from the nine one three, if you had a claymore mine pointed directly at your crotch, who would win the national championship? I'm not gonna answer that question. <laughs> wait, 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 claymore mines pointed at me. <laughs> You, can you point a mine at somebody? Well, you just yeah, you set there. You just put it. No, you that's not pointed at me though. You just you, put it on the ground. <laughs> you know, you clearly have it. They blast out in one direction. Oh, you, do they? You haven't oh. played enough Call of Duty. That's no, the, that's the nah, I'm not. I'm. I play it, but like not a whole yeah, lot. It, you need to. You, I'm more it, of a. I'm more of a Destiny and Halo player. Yeah, Claymore mines. You know, they have. They shoot in a certain direction. Yeah, I usually use the grenades on there. Like the what is it? The Simtex, I think. Any of the sticky grenades I use. Though. Okay. Or the go. smoke bombs, the smoke grenades. And that is Chris Unosera's uh, self-scout for Call of Duty. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm a sniper, so you know if you oh, get sniped on it, you get it's probably one of those guys. Huh? I'm sniped. People hate guys, huh? people hate those. I get mad at snipers on yeah. on COD. Listen, we've been talking a lot about Jarek McKinnon today, and I think that's uh, justified because I I think he is an anomaly. In the NFL, like we can get, we can get to like his value on this team, which, which we should, but this man at the age of 30 at his position, having the season that he's having, having a career year, it does not happen. Let me just give you some numbers on the season that McKinnon is having this year because we all know what he's done as of late, right? He's been a very vital piece to the Chiefs offense. Let's take a look at it in the context of the NFL, okay? Jarek McKinnon has 504 receiving yards after the catch. That ranks seventh in the NFL of any position. Here are the guys who have more receiving yards after the catch than Jarek McKinnon. Austin Eckler, Travis Kelsey, Justin Jefferson, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, and C.D. Lamb. Think about it. Those are the six guys who have more receiving yards after the catch than Jarek McKinnon. How many pro bowlers do you hear in that list? How many all pros do you hear in that list? Let's take a look at his numbers compared to other running backs. Amongst running backs, Jarek McKinnon ranks fifth in receiving yards with 460. The guys with more, Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, Alvin Kamara. His six receiving touchdowns lead all running backs. Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, Christian McCaffrey, these are the guys who are right behind him. 
This guy isn't having just like a nice little season. He has been a bona fide weapon for this offense. And he's doing it on the wrong side of 30. This guy's going to be 31 before next season rolls around. We know, like, the, I've heard, we've heard this statistic, right? Like, the second a running back turns 27, they fall off the face of a cliff. Even the greats. They'll be, they'll be churning along, having great season after season after season. Then they turn 27, and boom, it's over. Because those guys take a beating. It is not a long shelf life. I think the average, I think the average career span for an NFL running back is three years. This guy is 30 years old. And think about the injury history, man. Luckily, in today's NFL, teams are starting to go more towards the running back committee as opposed to we're going to have this one running back out here getting 20 to 25 touches a game. There's very few of those guys left in the league. And even like some of the guys who were like that, like an Ezekiel Elliott now is a part of a committee. If you look at a lot of the top running teams in the NFL, like say the Philadelphia Eagles, who are I think top five in, in rushing, they have a bunch of different guys that can do it. Obviously Jalen hurts can do it. You got miles Sanders. that could do it. Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, like all these teams now who are running it effectively are no longer putting it on just one running backs. Uh, oh no, those are, those are rarities. Yeah. Like Derek Henry might be the only one like last year. Najee Harris was like that too for the Steelers. And now it's him and Jalen Warren who are both co-opting this, this situation here. So I, I just feel like now it actually helps running the the shelf life of running backs because they don't have to be explosive for 20 to 25 yeah. plays. You could just get seven to 10 touches so, and you could be explosive there. So if you remember McKinnon for the longest time was Adrian Peterson's backup right in Minneapolis. And a lot of people liked him, but he just wasn't getting much of a shot. So, he goes, signs a deal with San Francisco, and you thought, you know, one of those deals where guys are backup, 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 feels better than a backup. You bring him in, San Francisco, played one year, boom, ACL tear. September 1st, 2018, like before, like the season's just beginning, out. Comes back the next year, August 27th, ACL tear. Or, excuse me, I think it was an LCL tear. Missed the entire season. So at that position, back-to-back years, season-ending knee injuries, you know what that means for running backs? Over. Career over. Guys don't come back from that at that position. It just never happens. And Even if they do come back, they're not the guys they once were. And now at age 30, he is having a, a career year for a team that matters. Here are the guys in the NFL this year, running backs over the age of 30 that have at least 100 touches. Raheem Mostert in Miami, Cordero Patterson in Atlanta, Latavius Murray in Denver. And Patterson and Murray are doing it on teams that don't matter. I mean, most, they all have kind of unique stories, right? Mostert didn't even get a touch in the NFL until he was 25 years old. Cordero Patterson was like a return specialist, wide receiver for Minnesota, tried to kind of make it work, never really did. He flamed out, switches to running back, all of a sudden has this like great twilight into his career in Atlanta. 
Latavius Murray's 32 years old. He's been just like a journeyman running back, and all of a sudden he's just kind of still hanging around here. But McKinnon doing it on a Super Bowl contending team. And and even without the production, it's the role that he's had all year long. Even before he started really getting productive the last month and a half of the season, he was a vital part of this offense simply because he's the best pass catcher, or excuse me, the best pass blocker of all the running backs on this team. And you hear Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy talk about him, how he's sort of a leader in that room, how he's not afraid, he's not threatened by any of these younger guys. He just sort of like takes him under his wing, shows him, you know, how to be a professional. And that's vital too, man. For this guy, like if you want Isaiah Pacheco to be a, to be a big part of this offense for the next three or four years, like you need a guy to teach him how to be a pro. And it sounds like that's exactly who McKinnon is. And then you think about the way that they complement each other. Like there's a reason why Pacheco's not the lead back or the number one. It's because A, Pass blocking, B, pass catching. McKinnon's better than anybody on this roster at both, which kind of makes me go back and wonder, how was Clyde the guy coming into the season? Is it only because he was a first-round pick and they were still trying to get some return on that investment? I mean, I don't think it was solely the pick, but I think it was like they thought his skill set was going to be more valuable than what it was. They thought he would be a better pass catcher, pass blocker, and... That stuff never materialized. And then you saw Jarek McKinnon taking advantage of every rep he gets. You saw Isaiah Pacheco taking advantage of every rep he gets. And then it it just seemed like every time they were calling on Clyde's number, he makes a mistake. All right, let's get to the random question of the day. Random question. All right, for you, Chris, and for you, those on the Jays Southland Toe Service text line, 913-586-7610. Simple question for you. We talked earlier. Duke's Mayo Bowl at halftime right now. It looks like Maryland leading North Carolina State 10 to 9. I said mayonnaise was one of the five most disgusting substances known to man. My question for you is, is there a a, a condiment? Is there a food that you find to just be absolutely repulsive? Is there something that all your friends like, everybody you know likes, that you won't go anywhere near? Is there something that if it is in a dish, you want nothing to do with that dish? It can be a popular item. It can be something that most people like that for whatever reason, you just don't have a taste for because mayonnaise is that for me. Now, if you're using mayonnaise to make like some sort of a sauce, if you're mixing it with with hot sauce or like ketchup and and uh, uh, gochujang, right? To make this like sort of like Korean hot. That stuff I'm fine with. If you're making like a condiment with it and you can mask the flavor of the actual mayonnaise, I'm okay with it. But mayonnaise is that for me. I think even to a further extent, the one that just absolutely grosses me out. I cannot. Dr- I cannot eat olives. I can't do olives. I can't do green olives. They're gross. Like black olives, I can. I can do. Black olives I can't are do fine. Green. I can't do green olives. And black olives are not like, oh, man, that's great. It's like, eh, it's fine. It's whatever. The one thing for me is uh, I I can't do anything with peppers in it. Like peppers can't. Like even like bell peppers? No. Or just like hot peppers? Any kind of pepper. Just the taste doesn't. It Peppers just like green peppers on like pizza can't do it. Ruins the pizza for me. Wow. It's just I can't what stand about, the what, taste of it. Not even jalapenos. No, I don't oh, like jalapenos. Oh, man, dude, I, I love jalapenos. Do, jalapenos are so, they just, oh, the really? smell kind of makes me gag a little bit. The taste is not good. I, okay. I can't do it. There's another one coming through. I've seen multiple people say it, and, I am, and I'm with you on this as well. Pickles. 
won't do pickles. I will do pickles on a burger. I will not do pickles on anything else. Like I, I like I know like there's a lot of people that'll eat just regular ass pickles. Can't do that. I it's just not that's not my thing. Uh, no. Somebody said mustard alone is terrible. Most condiments by themselves are not good. I'll do like spicy mustard, but like straight American yellow mustard, I'm not about. Yeah, I can't. I can't do. I can't. None of the condiments, anything like that, by themselves, except barbecue sauce. I can. So a lot can, of people. A lot of people that. are with me on both pickles and olives. Another very popular answer on the text line is mushrooms. I like mushrooms. I can I like do them. mushrooms. I, I like them do. on certain things, but yeah, I like them. I, I came. I've come around on mushrooms. At first, it was like a texture thing that I had to kind of get over, but I've had some. I've had some really good mushrooms. Oh, dude, a lot of people are saying eggs. I love eggs. I love I, eggs. I mean, I'm a I'm a pretty picky eater, so like a lot of this stuff on there is like, yeah, I don't eat that. I don't eat boiled okra or none of that. But I do. I, I love me some eggs, scrambled oh, eggs. I'm dude, good at that. Another one, peas, dude, peas. One time I was eating an enchilada, and I didn't realize so many people made enchiladas with peas really? in it. Yeah, I, I've never I've never had them with peas, and I didn't know. Nobody said anything, and I and I just like I didn't even notice. I just like kind of. Took a bite, or I cut a bite out, and I ate it, and then I realized there were pieces. <laughs> it's the texture, dude. Yeah. It's like mush. I, I like them. Um, see, another one here said onions. I hate onions. I love the taste of them, like onion flavor. I do not like really? actual onions. I can't. The, the I texture, like, I can't like, What about, like, grilled onions? No, I can't. The, no, I just. I'm not a big raw onion guy, but, like. Me neither. I don't like, like them if, grilled. But here's the thing. If I'm eating, like, tacos, like, if I'm going to go get, like, a burrito taco or, like, a carne asada taco, if there's some diced onions on it, I'll eat it. I can't. I, I can't. They, they upset my stomach, too, but I can't, like, the taste of ra- of actual onions. is. I'll oh, put really? onion powder on stuff. Or, like, oh. they'll have those onion packs. Like the, what is it, the Lipton or whatever, the onion soup thing yeah, or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll put that on stuff, and that's fine. That works fine. But, like, actual onions? No, I can't do that. I've see, I see some people saying, like, avocado and guacamole. I'm I don't, not, I don't I, like avocado. Oh, though. dude, you know, I love avocado. The only time I'll eat it is if it's in sushi. That's it. Because I don't really taste dude, it. Dude, everyone, now I'm looking, everyone is saying onions. <laughs> I know, yeah, so I'm saying onions. So no, A lot of pickles people, too. Cilantro's another one. Oh, Brussels sprouts, dude. I love Brussels sprouts. <laughs> That's like a top five vegetable for me. I, I don't think I've ever eaten a Brussels sprout. <laughs> no way. We don't. You got to get the, cr- dude, if, if you can get it, like, a lot of places will serve them, like, sort of flash fried and like cert- with like some sauce and peanut. And at that point, it's not really healthy. Yeah, I think but, I'm good. Um, if you got to do that to something just to make it, I'm good. <laughs> well, it turns out if you fry anything, just about anything tastes, tastes okay. If you have to fry it. fry it to make it good, I'm good. Somebody right. said cheese and cilantro. Cheese is great. You're wrong about just, cheese. Just cheese in general. Yeah, cheese is great. Cilantro, I agree. Great. I don't like cilantro. Okay, dude, you said you've said you don't like it. Everything I brought up, you said you don't like it. <laughs> I did. Say, I said olives. I said I like black olives. You might Green be a pickier eater than. Uh, I'm incredibly. Than gold. Picky. Gold's a picky eater. Yeah, I'm incredible. That's why I eat Chipotle all the time. I'm yeah. incredibly picky. Like it's something that infuriates my girlfriend because she like there's a lot of places that we can't eat at because I'm like eh, they don't really have anything I would eat on the menu. So oh, uh, dude, see that's the thing. I my, I've expanded my palate so much since I started dating my girlfriend. Like. I was pickier, but she's not. And she, and like, it's just like, if you have someone who introduces you to new foods and then you go, this isn't even really that bad. Like I didn't eat, I never ate kale. And now all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, kale. It doesn't taste like anything. That's the kind of thing you, you yeah, I'm not anti kale. I, I, I've never had it, but I, I've heard people say it doesn't taste like anything. So that's fine. As long as it doesn't taste bad, I don't care. Okay. So Rob Collins is waiting outside. I'm going to go let him in. This guy is a, this guy's a health 
freak. So I'm sure he's got some food. So keep the suggestions coming in. What's the one food that you just cannot eat? It can be a popular food. It can be an unpopular food. I want to hear it. We'll throw some by Rob, see if he's got one. Rob Collins joining us in studio. We're also going to hear from Andy Reid here coming up in five minutes. This is 610 Sports Radio. Listening to Cody and Gold, brought to you by Gan Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, Gan Asphalt and Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Don't miss Alex's That Betting Show every Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Right here on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app.